Christ. Why don't you take your seats? We're going we're gonna to read now from the Bible, uh, from the book of Psalms and Psalm 127. It's not many verses, it's just a few. Uh, and then I'm going to talk for a moment about what this psalm teaches us, and particularly what this psalm teaches us uh, as parents and as families about how we should invest in our children and how we should view our children. And so we've chosen this psalm today because it's particularly pertinent to those families who've just given thanks to God for their children. And so let's read together, uh, and then we will talk about it. So we read this from Psalm 127. Unless the Lord builds the house, those who build it labor in vain. Unless the Lord watches over the city, the watchmen stay awake in vain. It is in vain that you rise up early and go late to rest, eating the bread of anxious toil, for he gives to his beloved sleep. Behold, children are a heritage from the Lord. The fruit of the womb a reward, like arrows in the hand of a warrior are the children of one's youth. Blessed is the man who fills his quiver with them. He shall not be put to shame when he speaks with his enemies at the gate. Now, there's stuff in that psalm that you probably listened to and you thought, yes, that makes sense. And there are other bits that you're like, children and arrows and quivers full and what on earth? And what's the gate at the city got to do with anything? Well, we're going to talk about it now. So this psalm speaks uh, sequentially about the church. So the house refers actually to the house of God, so to the church. It speaks about community or society and, uh, and the city and how futile it is if God is not watching over the city. But it also speaks then about family. And we don't have time to look at the whole thing today. We're going to zero in on those verses just about family. And the first thing we notice that it says is that children are a heritage from who? The Lord. In other words, children are given by God. These children who we've just given thanks for today are a gift from God. That's amazing, isn't it? You just stop and think about that for a moment, about what the Bible teaches us. See, the Bible actually gives incredible value to human life. These children aren't just the result of a biological process, but they are from God. Given by Him. For something. What did it say? It says children are a heritage from the Lord. In other words, they're what we leave behind in this world. If you want to have a lasting impact, then invest well in your children. That's what this passage is saying. Children are a precious gift from God. And they are those that will carry forward what we invest in them beyond our lifetime. That in itself is pretty amazing, isn't it, to think about. 
But then this psalm shifts in, in a slightly contradictory direction. Because having said, children are a gift from God, a heritage from the Lord, they're, they're, what's, they're who's going to continue on what you invest in them when you're gone. He then says, like arrows in the hand of a warrior are the children of one's youth. What do you do with arrows? There's actually an archery range over there, but there's no one using it right now. What do you do with arrows? You shoot them. Oh, <laughs> like you send them out somewhere. They go out to accomplish a purpose. But children are a precious gift from God. And what do we normally want to do with something that's precious? You could, what do you normally want to do with something that's precious, Elliot? Protect it? Something else that you want to do with something that's precious. Keep hold of it. Hold it tight. Protect it. Keep it near to you. And yet, having just said that these children are a precious gift from God, the psalmist then goes on to write, they're like arrows <laughs> to be sent out. Oh. Not to be coddled and hidden away, but to be shot out into the world. To make a difference. Actually, someone who came up to pray today when they're praying for Lois prayed in that vein that actually she would kind of go and make a difference, have an impact. That's exactly what this psalm's talking about. And it's what we're going to spend the rest of our moments together thinking through and talking about. So, children are a precious gift given by God, a heritage to be shot out, to make an impact. What kind of impact? Well, the psalmist tells us. He carries on. He says that the man who has children, or the parents who have children, who views them like arrows in the hands of a warrior, we go on to read, says he will not be put to shame when he speaks with his enemies at the gate. Now, We've got to do a little bit of cultural translation here. Back to first century or pre-first century, like Palestine. What's going on at the gate? Why is the gate of any significance? Well, the gate is where culture is formed. The city gate is where important decisions are made. The city gate is where trade is done. It's a place of influence and engagement. And so what this psalm is saying is the person who raises their children well, when their children are grown, when they've been equipped well and sent out like arrows into the world, actually they'll contend on behalf of their parents at the gate against someone who might seek them harm. Do you notice it said in that psalm? He said, he'll not be put to shame when he speaks with his enemies at the gate. This picture is that there's Someone at the gate who has taken this parent to court for the wrong reasons. And they're trying to malign their name. Or maybe it's in a business deal and they're trying to rip this person off. There's injustice being wrought in this situation. And the psalm says, the child who's been sent out by God, being raised by these parents to accomplish good, will intervene in that situation and bring about justice in place of injustice will actually contend 
on behalf of their parents, but the application is broader. There'll be people who speak up for what's right instead of allowing injustice to rule. See, the goal here is children who grow up not to shy away or shrink back in the face of injustice, but who step up and who help to bring about justice, who speak into culture what's good and what's right instead of being influenced by culture and going along with whatever everyone else thinks. So the psalm says that children are a gift from God. They're a heritage. They're what we're going to leave behind. But we're not to hide them away. Instead, we're to coach them and equip them and train them that they might be sent out into culture, into the world to have a positive impact. And that's our prayer for all these children, isn't it? But that doesn't happen by accident, actually. That doesn't just, children don't just grow up like that. It requires intent. It requires purpose, deliberate action on behalf of parents and on behalf of a wider community who'll support them in it. So what does that look like in 21st century Britain? How does it apply today? I mean, we've just read a psalm from hundreds and hundreds and hundreds of years ago about city gates and strange pictures of warriors with arrows that really don't mean very much to us. Well, what does it mean today? Well, first up, I want to say this is a team sport. Raising children is primarily the responsibility of the parents. But as a wider church family, we have a part to play. As relatives, as uncles and aunts and grandparents and brothers and sisters, we have a part to play in this. If we as Christians believe that Jesus Christ is the hope for the world, which as Christians we do, <laughs> then the greatest gift that we can give our children as we seek to raise them to be like arrows, to go out and have an impact, actually is to introduce them to Jesus. The greatest gift we can give our children is to help them find lasting hope in the person and work of Jesus Christ. And actually the best heritage we can leave, the greatest gift we can give the world is children who will go out and who will give an account for the hope that they have, who will point other people to Jesus. See, Christians are called to be salt and light, called to seek the welfare of the communities that we live in, to work for the good of those around us and for the glory of God. See, understanding that God created us in, our Im in His image, which we've talked about already, that these children are a, a gift from God, they're from Him, that He created them and gave them, actually changes everything. It affects what we do with our time and our money and our bodies. It, it becomes a holistic thing, the whole of our lives. It's not just a partial worldview. See, Christianity isn't just about what you do for a couple of hours on a Sunday. 
It's not just a couple of hours of religious activity. It's the whole of life. But the challenge is that society is increasingly hostile to Christianity. I don't know if you've noticed that. If you haven't, you will. That society is increasingly opposed to the teachings of Scripture, of the Bible. And I guarantee, parents, Red and Haley, Chloe and Elliot, Daz and Judy, Will and Attie, I guarantee, Bryce and Helen, there'll be times that you will want to hide your children away from what's going on in the world. When you see things on the telly, in the media, when you read things and you think, gosh, I just want to protect them. They're precious. I want to hide them away. And I, I want to remind you of this psalm that says, no, they're like, they're like arrows to be trained and shot out to accomplish purpose. The truth is you stand a better chance of keeping oxygen out of your house. That would be a hard thing to do, right? It would. You stand a better chance of keeping oxygen out of your house than you do of shielding your child completely from anti-Christian or anti-biblical worldviews and ethics and morals. It's just not possible. And actually, it wouldn't even help in the long run if you could. Every Disney film, this might sound slightly controversial to you, but every Disney film, every children's book, even the national curriculum, current affairs, the news, all of it promotes a worldview. Not all negative, but it all promotes a worldview. It's not all negative, but it's not all helpful. And you can't hide them away from it. It's not possible. But what you can do is teach them to engage. Now, this isn't just for parents of young children. This is for all of us. You can't hide away from it, but what you can do is learn how to engage. So you can equip your children to think critically about what they read and watch and hear. And in fact, I'd say you must equip your children to think critically about what they read and watch and hear and not just to absorb whatever's put in front of them. If we believe that God is good and that living the way he designed is good and that the gospel really is the hope for the world, then we should be unashamed about sharing it with our children and we should be unashamed about encouraging them to share it with other people. So down to nuts and bolts. Practical, day-to-day life. What does that look like? What does that mean? I've got... There's lots of things I could say, but I've got five tips I want to give you guys for raising arrows. I've got five tips for investing in children that will go out and make a positive impact on the world around them. And the first one is this. None of these are rocket science, by the way. You could come up with them on your own, but they're easy to forget sometimes in the busyness of life. The first one is this, guys, 
This isn't just for those who gave thanks for children today. This is for all of us, right? First, read the Bible with your children, even when they're tiny. Talk to them about it. Even if you don't, word for word, the story. Retell stories from the Bible with them. And talk to them about it. Ask them what they think about what you've read. And as they grow, those conversations will get deeper. They begin to wrestle for themselves with what they read in the Bible and what it has to say and how it applies to their lives. Don't wait until they're old enough to read it for themselves. Or don't wait until they're old enough to say, I've seen you reading yours. Can, you, can I read it too? Read it with them from when they're young. And when they ask questions, you don't have to have all the answers. Enjoy learning together. Tip number two for raising arrows. Sing songs that contain great truths about God in your home. I love it. Fred's got a massive grin on his face. He's like, we do it already. We do it. I love the songs. Yes. Sing songs that declare great truths about God in your home, around your children. It's amazing what they'll learn through song. You know, there are loads of great resources for this. There are lots of new songs that have been written. But you know, I love too some of the really, really old songs. And there's a great opportunity when you sing old songs with your children because you can remind them and point out that, hey, people have been singing these words about God for generations. This isn't just us as a family. This isn't just our thing. But this is generations upon generations of people who've put their hope and trust in God, who've known him as their all in all. Tip number three for raising arrows. This one's harder, right? The first two, you've all gone, yeah, yeah, read the Bible, sing Christian songs. Great, we can do that. This one's harder, but it's just as important. In fact, if you don't do this one, you might as well not bother with the first two. Be quick to acknowledge your mistakes to your children and ask for forgiveness from them and from God in front of them. Guys, you need to model that to your children, that you aren't perfect. They can't expect you to be. You're going to make mistakes. You're going to let them down. Acknowledge when you do. Ask them to forgive you for the things you get wrong. And pray with them and, and with them, with you. Ask God to forgive you. It's so important. You can ask our children if I do this, right? I'm not just saying this. Reuben, I do this at home with you guys, don't I? Yeah, not as much as I should. Because this is important. Yeah, in our home, I'm really eager that our children understand this. So I want to behave and conduct myself in a way that's worth emulating, right? I want to set a good example to my children. But I want them to know I'm not perfect too. There are times when I'll get it wrong and I need to apologize to God and to them and I need to ask forgiveness. 
I spoke to someone, this is why this is important, I spoke to someone recently who was just kind of crippled with this pressure of wanting to be the perfect dad for his son. And he was just kind of buckling under the weight of like, I just, I don't want to let him down. What if I let him down? I don't want to, like I just, he just was so desperate to be the perfect dad. And the truth is, and I had to break the news to him, like, you will let your son down. I'm sorry, you will. And parents, if you haven't realized it yet, you will too. But the truth is, there is one who will never let them down. And who will never let us down. And that's the one to whom we need to point them. Yeah? God will never, ever let you down. And he will never, ever let your children down. And as you parent them, don't try and take on the burden of doing something for them that you can't. You can't be God to them. You can't save them. You can't be all that he is for them. You will make mistakes. You will hurt them. You will upset them at times. However hard you try. But what you can do is apologize. Repent. Ask for forgiveness from God and from them and point them to Jesus as the only one who won't let them down, who won't ever fail them, who they can trust perfectly at all times. Whenever we fail, there's forgiveness to be found. It's the heart of the gospel, right? Our children don't need us to be perfect. They need to come to know the God who is. And so even in our brokenness, there's an opportunity to point them to him. It's good news, isn't it? That's tip number three. I'd say it's almost the most important one because if you don't do that one, you're wasting your time with the rest of them. Four. This one's not easy either, but it's important. Engage with worldviews. This gets more complicated as they get older, but you can start it when they're really young. What do I mean by engage with worldviews? What I mean is don't pretend they don't exist. Don't pretend... Okay, that what you watch and read isn't teaching you something about the world and how it works, about morality, about relationships, about creation. It is. (laughs) Watch films with them. Read books with them. But don't just consume them passively. Engage. Talk to your children about what they've watched, what they've read what they think of it. Don't just watch films and read books. Help your children to think through the values and the ethics and the morals that are being promoted through those things. See, it's easy as parents to just try and kind of hide our children away from those things. Don't do it. (laughs) Like, there are some things you're going to want to hide them away from to a certain extent. I, I get that. I'm not saying sit your toddler down in front of an 18 Like, that would be crazy. That's not what I'm talking about. But I'm just saying don't try and shelter them from anything that would teach something contrary to Scripture. Instead, teach them to engage with it. Ask them questions. Say, when when that character did that, 
when they responded in neighbourhood, was that good? What do you think? Get them talking about it. Get them thinking. You can start that even when they're really young, when they're toddlers. They'll grow up, not to just passively consume culture, but to, to think about it, to process it, to engage. So important. Ask them. Did someone forgive in a story or, or seek revenge and then talk through with them? How can that help point us to Jesus and the way he responds to us? Now, I, just, I don't mean you have to analyze everything you watch. That could be really dull, can it? It's like every time you sit down as a family, it's like, and afterwards we're going to have a... That's, that's not what I'm saying, okay? But I would say, please, don't underestimate the importance of doing this with your children. It's so, so important. And finally, point number five, or tip number five. We've done it already today. Don't ever stop doing it. Pray for your children. See, the truth is, you'll get some stuff right as parents, and you'll get some stuff wrong. One thing you can always do, <laughs> whether you get it right or you get it wrong, is you can pray for them and trust God. I pray often for our children. I pray that God would give me wisdom to be a good father, to love them well and to protect them and to equip them to live for him. But I also pray that he'd protect them from my mistakes. There's probably loads that I haven't even known that I've made. I pray that they'd know him as a perfect heavenly father who will never fail them or let them down. I want to encourage you to pray the same for your children. Guys, this is our joy and our privilege as parents. But it's also our responsibility. The greatest gift, I said it earlier, that we can give our children, the greatest gift you can give your children, isn't a good savings account. The greatest gift you can give your children isn't a good education. It isn't all the many things that we might think would be good things to give them. The greatest gift you can give your children is Christ. And the greatest gift we can give the world is children who grow up into men and women of consequence, who are fully alive with the hope of the gospel, and who are sent out like arrows to make a difference in culture, to bring good news to those who desperately need to hear it, to speak hope to those who are hopeless, to speak and bring light to those who are walking in darkness. Those are the kind of children we want to raise, aren't they? The kind of children I'm longing to raise at any rate. But it won't happen by accident. It's going to require effort. It's going to require deliberate action. It's going to require intentionality on our part as parents and as a church family. And so I want to pray for us for one minute to that end, and then we're going to sing one final song before we head home this afternoon. Is that okay? Great.